Good morning, Lincoln Avenue. Open up your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 is where we are going to be looking today. Uh, we're in a uh, short series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is our third week. The first week we looked at the Holy Spirit and salvation. Uh, last week we looked at the Holy Spirit and sanctification, so uh, how God uses the Spirit to make us holy, to make us more like Jesus. And today we are looking at the Holy Spirit and mission, okay? The Holy Spirit and your mission. And so by nature of a topical sermon, which is what these are, they're a little different than uh, what we usually do on Sunday morning at Lincoln Avenue. But by nature of that, we're going to be looking at a lot of different passages of Scripture. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and and several other passages are going to help us uh, kind of look at how the Holy Spirit functions in relation to our mission, our mission of the gospel. And so uh, that's where we're going to be at today. Uh, please encourage um, anybody you know that's going to camp to be here tonight, 6 o'clock, for our camp meeting. Uh, we've got 58, I believe, Pastor Daniel, is that right? 50, 59, uh, 59 campers from Lincoln Avenue. And so uh, add that to uh, the other churches, and I think there's going to be like 290 uh, people at camp, which is like a bursting it's like capacity plus okay it's like after thanksgiving how you feel okay that that's what it that's what it's going to be and uh so we really rejoice over that be praying for us over the next three days uh monday tuesday wednesday we'll have an opportunity to share the gospel multiple times with these kids uh be in family groups where we kind of unpack um spiritual truth and have spiritual conversations everything is geared toward uh uh, the gospel and uh, the Christian life. Pastor Daniel is going to be our camp speaker, and so he'll be speaking uh, every every morning, every night. You are welcome to come out, and uh, I think worship services are at seven seven thirty, I believe it is. Uh, you can call the church office if you if you, if you uh, want to do that, and want to know where. But he'll be preaching every night. You'd be welcome to come if you want to come hear him, and uh, and then he'll be preaching in the mornings as well. Uh, camp missionary is going to be the spans, and so uh, we're going to be heavily involved in the camp this year. Got a new pool, a new zip line. Uh, Joseph, who was our intern, is uh, now the camp manager. So lots of connections with our church to the camp, and it's going to be a great week. So you'd be praying for that if you would. Acts chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Here we go. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, whom he had chosen, to them... He presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Father in heaven, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to be with us today. Lord, we hunger for that. We hunger for 
your Holy Spirit to make yourself known in our hearts and through us. We long to to see more of your glory, to experience afresh your, your greatness, your awesomeness. Father, we pray that you would work in us today, that you would just reveal, open our minds, open our hearts to see what we need to see today. Please uh, have your way with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 1 is a little bit uh, funny to me in, in this sense, okay? It opens up with the disciples hanging out kind of intermittently with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus for about 40 days, okay? Now, first of all, that's just, that's just I mean, that just had, doesn't happen every day, does it? You know, I mean, this was kind of a unique period in, in the history of the world in which the, the disciples had the opportunity to interact kind of on a daily, you know, whenever Jesus would appear to them, uh, and, and he's resurrected. I mean, he's the resurrected Jesus. So some of these guys... Some of these guys watched him be crucified, okay? So they saw him be scourged, and they saw him, you know, be, be, be hung on a cross, and they watched for six hours as he suffocated to death, and they saw the Roman soldier come with the spear and pierce it up under his ribs, into his heart, and water and blood flowed. I mean, they saw that. They saw him take his lifeless body down from the cross and wrap it up and put it in a tomb. I mean, they were witnesses to that. And then three days later, man, he is alive, okay? And not like in the ICU hooked up to the ventilator alive, okay? He's like popping in and, and walking to Emmaus with them and, and then popping out and coming in and eating fish and then coming through the walls and saying, hey, reach here into my hand and into my side and feel my wounds and realize I'm not a ghost. I'm alive, okay? Alive like nobody's ever been alive, okay? Alive forevermore, like conquered death alive, right? And now they have the opportunity to hang out with this Jesus for 40 days, okay? He's, he's appearing to him. He's visiting. He's spending the day with them. And they, 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 they are seeing the, the, the living, resurrected Jesus Christ with them on a continual basis for 40 days. That's, that's outstanding, is it not? Now, what are they doing with that? Well, they know he's the Son of God. I mean, obviously, they, they know he's the King of Kings. They know he's the Messiah. They know he's the Savior of the world. They know he's the atoning sacrifice. So what are they doing? They're simply doing one thing. They're waiting, okay? Waiting. Now, you know, do, you, do you see the tension here? Why would you wait? I mean, you, you did, Jesus just came over for supper, the resurrected Jesus. He's alive forevermore. He's alive from the dead. You can see the, the holes in his hands and his feet and in his side, and he's living forevermore. He just came over, had supper, now he's left. Why would you not be out in the streets, you know, telling everybody you know about Jesus? Why would you not be going to, to foreign lands, starting churches, doing mission work? I mean, why would you not be going? They're not going because Jesus gave them specific instructions don't do anything yet okay he said wait yeah, he says that in verse verse four and, and while staying with him he ordered them not to depart from jerusalem but to wait for the promise they are to wait why are they to wait because without the spirit of god they've got no power 
for the mission of God. Okay, that's very important. Okay, Holy Spirit power is for the mission of God. So even though they know Jesus, they've seen Jesus, they just ate lunch with Jesus, even though, even though Jesus is resurrected from the dead, he's already died on the cross, they know all of those things, they desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit. They're to wait for the Holy Spirit. Okay, Without the Holy Spirit, they don't have any power for mission. With the Holy Spirit, Peter walks outside, preaches, and preaches a mediocre sermon, and 3,000 people are born again in that moment. Okay? Okay? So with the Holy Spirit, they, 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 they have effectiveness. They've got power, okay? And so what we see from that right away is that the Holy Spirit is absolutely critical, absolutely crucial to the mission of God in our hearts to the world at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church, all right? So two weeks ago, we learned that every born-again believer is indwelt by the Spirit of God. If you're born again, that means the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes. He's enabled you to see truth, and, and, and you've repented of your sins, put your faith in Christ, and He's come to live inside of you. And now you have the, the, the experience of God, okay? You have, you have the experience of, of, of who God is, His character, His greatness, His power, living inside of you. You get a taste. You get the down payment. Remember that? The down payment of what is to come. Last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit in sanctification, meaning that, that the Holy Spirit inside of us is, is convinced convicting us of sin, revealing truth to us, changing our desires so that we don't want to sin anymore. We want to live in righteousness. We want to put to death our sin and live according to faith in Jesus Christ. All right, so the Holy Spirit is working inside of us. Now today, what we're focusing on is that we, we, we have the Spirit of God inside of us in order to empower us for the mission of the gospel. Now let me just tell you this, okay? If you're not interested in the mission of God, then you're not really interested in the Holy Spirit. Okay? There isn't a, another option there. Okay, A lot of people try to, try to ride that line where it's like, man, I really want the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I mean, I really want to, the expression of the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, I'm just not at all interested in the mission of God. I'm not at all interested in telling other people about Jesus, proclaiming the gospel, serving in a church. Uh, I'm not interested in any of that. Doing children's ministry. No, no, no. None of that's for me. I just want the Holy Spirit, okay? Well, I've got bad news for you today. Those don't come apart, okay? You, the, the Holy Spirit is for mission, okay? He, he's telling the writer in Acts 1, wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and when He comes, you're going to have power to be my witnesses in your hometown, in your state, in your country, and to the end of the world, okay? So the Holy Spirit is for mission, okay? To say I want the Holy Spirit, but I'm not interested in the mission of God, that's like saying I want a cannon, but I don't ever want to shoot it, you know? I want a jet plane, but I don't ever want to fly. I want a crane. I don't ever want to lift anything up, okay? I mean, it just doesn't make sense, all right? The Spirit of God is for the mission of the gospel to the world. The Spirit of God empowers the church to proclaim the kingdom, to, to, to give truth to, to our neighbors, to live out the kingdom, to strategize and pray and give and go and care and build up the church of God. That is what the Spirit of God is doing in the people of God. Now, here, here's what I want us to do today. And this is the most exciting thing, I think, to me about, about this sermon is really unpacking what does this power look like and what does it do inside of us? Okay, so you'll notice in verse 8, he tells them, wait, wait, what are you waiting for? Verse 8, you're going to receive the power, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, okay? So the Holy Spirit gives power. Now, what does he give power to do? And how does that look, okay? So when we say a jet engine has power, what do we mean? Well, we mean the turbines can turn at such a high rate that it can suck in air one side, push it out the other, and propel a huge monstrous plane into the air. That's what we mean. Okay, when, when we say that, uh, I looked this up on the internet, Benedict Magnuson, 
Ever heard of him? Me neither, okay? He is the record holder for the raw deadlift, okay? So the deadlift is when you go down, you grab up the weight, and you pull it, and you pick it up, all right? Benedict is able to pick up 1,015 pounds and stand up with it, okay? 1,015 pounds. And so when we talk about what, what, what kind of power does Benedict have, well, he has the power to pick up weights, you know, to, to lift this massive amount of weight. And so when, it, when, when the Bible says the Holy Spirit's going to come and give you power, what's that going to look like, you know? Are you, are you going to be able to grab your heavy purse and sling it across the, the parking lot? Are you going to, you know, what does it look like? I mean, tangibly... Spirit of God comes, what is that power going to look like? Well, that's a great question. And so let's, let's unpack kind of how it looked in the early church, okay? So in, in the next chapter, indeed what Jesus said, it happens, and the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit gives them power, and look what happens, okay? So chapter 2, verse 4. And when they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And that this sound, the multitude came together, and they were all bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each one in his own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Capacitia. Okay, we get the point. All over the world, all right? Verse 11, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them all telling in our own tongues, listen, right here, the mighty works of God. Now, don't get hung up on the tongues thing, okay? That's a whole other sermon. But, but let, me, let me just give you the reality here. There's people from all over the world, and so they needed languages to tell all those people, okay? But here, here's the point. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and as they're filled with the Holy Spirit, what do they do? They speak the mighty words of God. So they're all gathered in there praying, praying, praying. The Holy Spirit falls. What happens? Man, they are, they are compelled, they are moved outside those doors, and they begin to tell everybody the mighty works of God. All right? Now, let's see if this holds true the rest of the Bible. So, we go like to Acts 4. Okay, Acts 4, uh, they're kind of, they're taken by the elders and the scribes, and, and they're questioned, and in verse, verse 8 it says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. And then Peter goes on ahead and talks about Jesus, okay? At the end of chapter 4, the whole church is gathered again. Verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God. Are we we seeing a theme here? Boldness, okay? All right, so whenever they're filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens? Man, they're, they're moved to... Talk about Jesus. Proclaim the truth of Jesus. Brag on the glory of Jesus. Okay? Let's check this out in other places. All right? So Ephesians chapter 5 talks about being filled with the Spirit. So what happens in Ephesians 5? Well, Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. And what happens when you're filled with the Spirit? Verse 19, very next word. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with all your heart. They're filled with the Spirit. What happens? They, man, they start singing, you know, and, and they're singing to one another. They're, they're talking to each other about the great, glorious deeds of Jesus. All right, so I, I think we've established some sort of precedent here that the Holy Spirit brings a power that moves people to joyfully proclaim the greatness of God. Now, notice I said joyful. Why, why did I say joyful? Because what I don't see here is that the Holy Spirit falls... 
and Peter, they're all like enjoying their potluck dinner and the Holy Spirit falls and they're like, oh, come on, guys. Let's go outside. We got to, you know, we're going to go tell everybody, you know, come on. All right. Hey, everybody, listen up. No, no, no. That's not the picture you get there. Is that the picture you get there? No, what I, what I get is they're rushing outside and they're full of joy and proclaiming the great things of God. In Ephesians 5, they're addressing one another in song, okay? How often do you sing to one another, right? I had lunch with uh, Fred and Jeff on Friday. They didn't sing, man. They didn't sing. I thought they would come in and just be like, you know, be strong. In the Lord. They didn't do it, you know? I mean, it doesn't happen very often, right? I mean, you, you know you're pretty full of joy when you're singing to one another, right? Okay, so there's an element of joy here. And so what we see here in this passage is that, is that the filling of the Holy Spirit results in an overflow of joy and delight in happily and willingly proclaiming the great things of God. Now, that makes perfect sense to me when we, when we think, okay, so remember two weeks ago, sermon number one, so the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, and what's he doing there? He is our present experience of God. He's revealing the truth to us. What truth, you know? That uh, truth about electricity, you know? No, well, maybe, I guess, but truth about about Jesus, right? About who God is, about what he's done, right? That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so to be filled with the Spirit, right? Listen, this is really important. To be filled with the Spirit is a heightened awareness of who God is, of his awesome character, of, of his exciting, boundless love, of his glory, his beauty, his greatness, okay? To be filled with the Spirit is to know in a greater way, to have a large helping of all the hope and glory that are in Jesus Christ. And when that happens, you can't help but spill that over onto other people, all right? Now, let, let, me, let me keep going with this because I can tell you're not convinced in this definition yet. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to show you this out of Ephesians 3, and then I'm going to give you like three illustrations. And by the end, hopefully, you're going to be, you're going to be like, yes, okay, I'm all in now, Pastor. Okay, so in Ephesians 3, Paul is praying for his church. Do you ever pray for your church? I hope you pray for your church, okay? What kind of things did you pray for your church? Well, it'd be great to pray that your church would be filled with the Spirit. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do? Okay, well, Paul is praying that. He doesn't use those exact words, but let me show you the words he does use. In Ephesians 3, 19, at the end of, at the, end of the verse there, he says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. All right, Pastor Daniel, would it, would it be fair to say that being filled with all the fullness of God is the same as being filled with the Spirit? right? Because the Spirit is, is the Spirit God? <gasps> he is, right? Okay, so, right, He's God. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with all the fullness of God, all right? So that's really what Paul is praying here. Now notice how he prays. Very important, okay? Very important. All right, here we go. Verse 17, no, no, verse 16. Let's start there. According to the riches of His glory, that He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Did you guys hear that? Strengthened, power, inner being. All right. Remember, what are we talking about? The Spirit gives power. Now, this gives us a little insight. Where does the Spirit give power? Does He give it to our biceps and quads? No. He gives it in our inner being. Okay. Now, what's this? How is this? How does this happen? What, what, what does this result in? Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. Here's where the strength is, okay? So being filled with the Spirit is God gives you strength to comprehend what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. What does that mean? You'll never get to the end of it. You'll never get to the end of it. 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Right? So, so what, 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 is, what is he praying for there? Okay, he's praying that they would be strengthened on the inside so that they could know in a greater way the greatness of God to which they'll never get to the end. There's always more, right? There's always more. Bonnie, do you know that God loves you? Right, but she doesn't know, all, she doesn't know that to the degree that she could know it, does she? No. So let's say today she's filled with the Spirit and God opens up her heart to know that to an even greater degree. All right, is she done? She, you know, is that all there is? God's like, that's all I got. You know, no, there's more, isn't there? Right? She could be filled with the Spirit next week and God could expand that to an even greater understanding of His love and the next week even greater and all the way into eternity and there's still more, right? Because it surpasses knowledge. Okay? So, let me try to explain this just in a, this way. Okay, so... Lost man, okay? So here's a lost guy, okay? Not me, this pretend guy, okay? Lost guy, he doesn't see the glory of God. Now, does he know that Jesus loves him? Maybe, if he went to Sunday school, I did, okay? Does he know Bible verses? Maybe. Does he know truths? Maybe. He may know all those things, but he does not know them in here, okay? He, he does not grasp the great love of God, the greatness of the gospel, the amazing nature that Jesus is better than anything. If he did, he would trust him, but he doesn't because he's lost, Okay? Now, if that guy gets saved, what does that mean? That means that God has opened his eyes to see the greatness of Jesus, right? To see that Jesus is better than anything. To see that God is glorious, that he's love, that he's, he's perfection, that, that he's got a great glorious plan. And so, bam, he turns from sin, puts his faith in Jesus, and begins to follow him because he sees the glory of God. But that same guy, can he not at some point in his life be filled with the Spirit and come to know at an even greater degree the love of God, the greatness of God. And when he does know that, what is that going to do? It's going to move him to share and proclaim and serve at an even greater level in the mission of God, right? Does that all make sense, okay? So, so it's kind of like this, okay? It's kind of like this, all right? So um, little guy walking, okay? So you got a little son, a uh, little boy, uh, and his dad, okay? So they're walking along, and look, look, I mean, he loves his son. His son knows that he loves him, right? Just there's a great relationship between the two, and they're walking along the street. But all of a sudden, the dad reaches down, and he grabs his son, and he picks him up, and he says, Son, I love you. You're my boy. I'm so proud of you. Gives him a big kiss and a great big hug and puts him back down, and they begin to walk again. All right, now before, did that boy know his dad loved him? Yep, okay. But did he have a... Did he have an experience that, that, that heightened his awareness of the love of God for him? Yes, he did, right? Yes, he did, okay? So, Marilyn, do you know Ed loves you? You do, don't you? You guys are a cute couple. You've been married a long time, and, and you know that he loves you, don't you, okay? But let's just say that Ed and Marilyn are walking down Bricktown, Oklahoma City, having just kind of a special day together, hand in hand, and Marilyn knows that Ed loves her, but all of a sudden he stops and peels around and gets down on that one bad knee he's got from the truck, gets down on that day, and he pulls out a new anniversary band and pops that dude open, and it is sparkling, and he says, Marilyn, I just want you to know that I love you with an everlasting love, and all of a sudden out of the bushes pops out a guy playing a violin and he starts playing that violin and Ed starts singing a ballad love song to Marilyn and he's just going away singing and right at the climax of the song he grabs her around the head and points her up into the sky and there there's a plane riding in skylight you know Marilyn I love you forever you know and all of a sudden 
fireworks go off of Bricktown, and they're in the shape of a heart, you know, and he grabs her and dips her and gives her a great big kiss. Now, Marilyn, you already knew that he loved you, but did that give you a heightened sense of his love for you? Is it... Yeah, right? You know, man. And, and let me tell you, what would Marilyn do at that point? She, would she not tell people? Would you keep that quiet, Marilyn? No, she would get out her phone. She'd be Facebooking right away, you know, giving pictures. Here's the violin guy. You know, here's the ring. You know, here was the fireworks. You know, here's a video, right? She would want to share that with everybody, correct? Okay, so born-again believers. All right, so you got an Acts 2. All right, here they are. Do they believe, in Acts chapter 1, do they believe that Jesus is the Messiah? My goodness, they're hanging out with the resurrected Jesus. Thomas stuck his hand in his wound. They know it. But Jesus says, wait, wait. Why? Because in Acts 2, the Spirit of God comes, and they are filled with the Spirit. And in the filling of the Spirit, they come to see the glory and the greatness of God in an even expanded way that moves them into the street in the power of the Spirit to proclaim the gospel, and 3,000 people get saved. Friends, that is the filling of the Spirit of God for the mission of God. Okay? Now, are you seeing how the Holy Spirit's fullness results in mission? Okay, we can't divorce those two. Okay, because what the filling of the Spirit is, is this expanded experience of the fullness of God inside of you. Okay, so the more that you see, the more you testify about, right? The, 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 the clearer your experience, the more you tell. I mean, is that not just a basic rule? That the more you witness, the more you have to tell. The more you witness, uh, what I'm saying by witness is the more you see, right? The more you, you saw for yourself, the more you have to tell people, right? Let's say I'm at the cowboy tap shop. Got me some new boots. I didn't really, but let's just say that I did. And, and, and right as I come out the door, you know, I, I hear gunshots. Bam, bam, bam. You know, I'm like, whoa, man, Woodward, Oklahoma. You know, and I look across the parking lot, and three masked men run out of Stock Exchange Bank into a car, uh, speed off up, up on Oklahoma Avenue. About 10 seconds later, I hear sirens and police cars everywhere. I just witnessed a bank robbery, right? I mean, that, wouldn't that... You know, I'm going to be calling him. Man, I just, I just saw a bank robbery. You know, I'm going to be going to the police station. Hey, I, just, I don't know if you guys need testimony, but I, 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 I saw those guys running out of the bank, you know. I mean, I can be a witness for you, right? I saw it, okay? But listen, how much more would I, would I give testimony if I were in the bank, right? If I had a heightened experience, a heightened awareness, if I saw even more clearly what had happened, okay? Let's say I'm actually in the bank. I just cashed my check, and I'm talking to Candy Fifield, and three masked men walk into the bank, and they grab Kendra. You know, she goes to Fifth Street right around the corner. They grab her, and they got a gun to her head, and they're like, give us all your money, you know? And man, out of the corner of my eye, I see Jim Treadway coming out of his office. He comes out, and he dives. And as he does, he's got a pistol in his sock. He's got one of those sock holsters. He dives. He pulls out that pistol. You know, pow! And he shoots the gun right out of that guy's hand. And Kendra gets away. And then Jim does a, a roll on the ground. He comes up. Bam! Shoots the other guy in the hand. Shoots his gun out. And then he does his backflip up onto that center island at Stock Exchange. Bam! Shoots the other guy in the hand. Man, these robbers are so disoriented, they run out the door, down the stairs, in their car. Er, peel out. Now, I witnessed the same robbery. Did I? Same one. 
Will I not be more compelled to tell that story, though? Right? I mean, the other one, I, I heard shots. I thought three guys get out. And, I mean, it's, I saw the same event. But, but see, in the second time, I saw it. I saw it more clearly. Okay. So, what happens in Acts chapter 2? Do they know that Jesus is king? Sure, yes. Okay? But when the Holy Spirit falls on them, they have a heightened experience of the love of God and the glory of God and the power of God and the presence of God. And they are moved. They are moved to speak the truth of God and to do the work of God in the world. Now, church, we are called to a mission. Okay? We're called to a mission. And and it's not an optional one, by the way. We are called to build up the body of Christ, okay? That that happens through evangelism, through bringing people into the kingdom, through building up the church, okay? Building up each other's faith. In 1 Peter 4, it says that we've been given spiritual gifts in order to glorify Jesus, to glorify God. In Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us that some have been called to be pastors and teachers and and, and, and evangelists and, and other spiritual gifts to do the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we, we come into a mature manhood as a body, until we're equipped and the whole body grows. All right, we... We are called as believers into the ministry of building up the church of God. Now, what does that look like? Well, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I, I, that is my favorite definition of a spiritual gift. And you, let me tell you why. It's not a position. You see that? A lot of times when people hear spiritual gift, what do they think? Position, right? Pastor, teacher, evangelist, you know. Uh, no, 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 no. A spiritual gift is the Holy Spirit showing Himself, showing God to others through you. Okay? Look at the, look at, look, look at the, the, the definition again. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. A spirit, you know what manifestation means? It means to reveal, to show, to demonstrate. Okay? And so, so a spiritual gift is when the Holy Spirit shows does he show me does he show no 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 that's that, that that's not a spiritual gift then if it's showing me it's a spiritual gift when it is showing the glory of god the greatness of god the power of god the kindness of god the love of god the mercy of god okay that's what a, that's what a spiritual gift is doing and notice it is to each is given what does each mean every born again believer you know whenever i whenever i put something together uh last week two weeks ago uh, i put together a, a garbage disposal in our house it, it took me like what was it jeff three months something like that i called him like nine times you know he'd say just let me come do it pastor it's less my time no no i'm gonna do it you know but anyway every time i do that and this was true of the garbage disposal i get done there's leftover stuff you ever have that you know and you know i turn it on it's running i'm like it's chopping up food. I'm like, these are unnecessary, you know? I don't need them, I guess. It works without it, okay? Listen, you're not an unnecessary part of the church. Do you, do you understand that? Because a lot of people are very confused about that. They think, you know, well, I, I, I come, but I, I, I'm a born-again believer. I'm saved, but, you know, I, I don't need to do anything. I don't have a mission. That's just unbiblical. 
That is unbiblical. The, the first Corinthians very 12 was very clear. The eye cannot say to the hand, I'm no need of you. Okay? You can't say you don't need other people up in verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. You can't say people don't need me. Okay? God has put us in the body as he has designed. And what are you doing with your spiritual gifts? I mean, again, this just really helps me. It helps me to think, what you doing with your, let's say your gift is serving. What are you doing? You're showing the love of God through your service. You're showing the, the mercy of God through your service. You're showing the hospitality of God through your service. What, what if you're gifted in the area of administration or leadership? You're showing the love of God. You're showing the grace of God. You're showing the power of God. You're showing the, you know, mercy. You are magnifying the Lord. You're magnifying Jesus through your life. And that takes place in, in all different kinds. But the point is, is that a spiritual gift is something that shows the glory of God. It shows God to others. And when others see God... That's a good thing. Notice 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What does common good mean? It means everybody's blessed, okay? When people see God in you, everybody is blessed because that's what we need. That's how we grow. When I see God in you, I grow. I grow in my faith. I grow in my, my love for Jesus. I grow in my hope of the gospel. That's what 2 Corinthians three eighteen. This is a core verse at Lincoln Avenue. If you've been here very long, you've heard me go through this verse a hundred times. If you're going to stick around with us, I hope you do. You're going to hear me go through it a hundred more times. It's a key verse. 2 Corinthians three eighteen says, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. Whenever we see the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, image of Jesus, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay? What's the Spirit doing? He's showing me the glory of God. As I see the glory of Jesus, I come to trust Him more. I come to want Him more. I come to desire Him more. I come to lean on Him more. And the more I do that, the more I'm transformed, the more I grow. That's the purpose of spiritual gifts. It is to show, to demonstrate the glory of God to others. That's what builds up people in their faith. That's why we're so adamant about Christ in our relationships here. That's why we want you in a small group starting up in about a month. Because Romans 1, 11, 12, here's our, our small group theme verse. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul's saying, I want to get together with you so that you see my faith and I see your faith and that by our, our faith, we're encouraged. You know, you see God. I see God in you. You see God in me. We, 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 we demonstrate, we show the Spirit to one another. And in doing so, we grow. We grow. That is our aim, to display the Holy Spirit. Now, what a tragedy if we didn't come here today with that goal in mind. You see, we should have come today. We should have come. and If you didn't, you still got time. We should have come with the aim. Man, I want the Holy Spirit. First of all, I want to be filled with the Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Fill me. Show me more of yourself. Give me a greater vision of who you are and what you've done and the beauty of the gospel. And then we ought to come saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to use me. I want you to, to use my song, my, my, my singing, my handshake, my teaching, my encouraging word, my act of mercy, my practical deed of kindness. I want you to use that to show other people who you are. That's what we're aiming at. That's our aim. What a tragedy if, if we don't do that. 
P.G. Matthew was uh, giving a, an illustration using the, five, the feeding of the 5,000, which I, I never thought about it in this way before, but I thought it was a great illustration. But he said, you know, when Jesus fed the 5,000, what did he do? Jesus broke bread and fish, and then he gave it to his disciples, and his disciples did what? They gave it to the masses. They gave it to the 5,000, right? And after they got done, remember what happened? There were 12 baskets still left, over, and there's plenty for everybody. Plenty for everybody, right? What a tragedy, though, if Andrew and Peter and John would have got together and after Jesus gave them their, their loaves and fish, if they would have said, hey guys, let's just take this to the truck. Let's go down to the beach, you know? I and mean, wouldn't that have been a tragedy? Uh, really, that's, that's kind of, man, would you do that? You know, Jesus is feeding the mass. He gives to you to give to others. And then you're like, no. Well, let, let, me, let me tell you, if you're not using your gift intentionally to show others the glory of God, to show others the greatness of God, to aim at building up other people's faith. You know what you're doing? You're receiving something much better than loaves and fish. What are you receiving? The Spirit. Okay? And for you to say, I got the Spirit. I'm a born-again believer, but I'm, I'm not sharing with nobody. Nobody's seeing more of the Spirit through me. I just, I'm just coming for me. That, that's not the mission of the gospel. Lincoln Avenue, if you're a born-again believer, you have the Spirit of God. Isn't that awesome? I mean, should we be afraid to attempt anything for the Lord, really? With His power behind us? We should seek the Spirit. Seek Him. I'm not talking about, let's you know, seek and see if we handle snakes. And I don't, I don't have any interest in handling snakes, okay? I don't have any interest in all that, you know, funny stuff. I, here's what I want. I want to know and see God in a greater way, and I want people to see Him through me in a greater way. That's being filled with the Spirit. It's interesting to me what these guys were doing in Acts chapter 1. When they're, uh, they're waiting, they're waiting for the Spirit. And so what are they doing while they wait? Well, Acts 1.14 says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. You know, I was talking to one of our guys between the services, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And we both came down to this. Man, do we really want it? Do we really want it? Do we really want the fullness of the Spirit? And I think if we really do, I think the way that that will manifest itself in is, is we'll ask. We'll, we'll come, God, I want it. Please, fill me with your Spirit. Show me more of yourself. Show me your glory. Show me your greatness. God, I'm looking in your word. Open my eyes to see more and more of you. And that, Lord, as you do, God, I'm going to show other people who you are. Through my words, my life, and the whatever way you've gifted me. That's lots of different ways, isn't it? That's what we talked about Wednesday at Man Up. It's just all the different ways that God gifts people. All the great ways that God has put this church together and that we have, we have who we need, you know? Let's ask Him for that. Father, I pray that You would fill us with Your Spirit. Lord, show us. Show us Your glory. Show us Your greatness. Show us Your power. Show us Your love. Show us Your, your might, Your mercy. God, show us. We want to see You, God, that we might, we might be moved out into the streets and into our neighborhood and into our family to, to do the work of the Spirit. Father, we want to build up one another. Lord, we want to show one another your character in us. 
So, Father, work through us today. We ask it in Jesus' name.